It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Welcome in, everybody. No Shot Clock Podcast, and we are headed. I always get caught, Mike. We even talked about it. We are way farther along, further than the season than we than I always think. State tournament right around city playoffs this week. As we record this, a big night of basketball in the public league quarterfinals on Tuesday night. And we got seeding week, Mike. We'll be, at the end of this week, we'll be able to look at some brackets and start. Uh, oh, know. boy. Yeah, Joe just emailed me his big seeding preview. I have not had a chance to read it yet because we're going to record. But that always makes a lot of people happy. <laughs> yeah. It's fun to break down the uh, seeds, yeah. brackets, where they fall. But uh, today well, is. How, how was that, Joe, before we get? I was, because I'm guessing based on my rankings every week, it's, it was a real pain in the butt. It was interesting. You know, some sectionals just fall into place and others were a nightmare. Mm-hmm. You know, the in particular, like the East Aurora sectional where it, it's deep and you got Bennett and Downers and the Bennett lost and you got Bolingbroke with a big win over Wabonsi Valley. And I kind of sorted it all out and I put it in my thoughts in words in the overview of why and where I seated them. That one was really, I thought it was one of the tougher ones I've done, Mike, in years Oh, wow. Um, you know, so, but some of the ones you'd think kind of just fell into place based on head to head. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, we got our mailbag today. Our second one, I think, of the year. Yep. Number two. Yeah. Number two. We are going to skip our takes, you know, just because we had so many questions and uh, get right at those questions and see where it takes us. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. I didn't even have to ask for them on Facebook. And I think I only did it once on Twitter. So we got a lot. I think it makes a big difference when I actually ask for them on the show, you know, the people actually listening. (laughs) So that was probably a good move, but we got quite a few here. So we're going to get right into it. If we have time at the end, we're going to preview the CPS playoffs, but I don't know if we will. So let's dive in here. First one is from Chris. Chris wants to know if we have any information or rumors about the state finals next year, such as location or change in format. I believe this is the third and final year of the agreement with Champaign. Um, Chris, you are totally correct. It's funny because I I ran into somebody last week and they were asking and I'm like, well, it's it's always five years. So we've got a few more years, but no, Chris is correct. It's three years. It was three years. Um, So it is up this year. I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I knew because uh, Adam Duvall at the Pure Original Star, who does a nice job, he he wrote a story. So we've got actual facts here, not um, whatever. I kind of feel like if Champagne wants it, they're just going to keep it, right? Yeah, it sounds like that's um, what what's going to happen. Um, this is what Matt Troja said. Um, he said the feedback has been positive on the single weekends. He anticipates the IHSA will continue with that format moving forward. Um, they still need to talk it over with the board. Um, Troja says, this is his quote, if we move forward with the current format, I anticipate both current state final venues will be provided the opportunity to propose five-year extensions early this spring. 
Now, and if either venue was unable or uninterested in continuing to host, um, at that point, they could accept bids. So according to Trojo, as long as Champagne wants it, they get five years now, and Champagne wants it. So, All right. Now, we'll see what happens. Now, Peoria is also quoted in here. They want it back. So I think, Ooh. yeah, right now we've got, we're going to have this year in Champagne and another five, and then it'll be up again. Now, I do think it's possible there could be some format tweaks. IHSA, they seem to like the one weekend, as Troja said, everybody does, but nobody's quite satisfied with the format over those four, three days. What is it now? Um, so, including, including Joe. Could, yeah, that, that could be tweaked a bit, but yeah, good question, Chris, because it wasn't something uh, that was on my radar. Um, next up, PJ. PJ wants five dark horses come playoff time for 3A and 4A. What do you got, Joe? Who's your well, I don't have I don't have five for both. I have five kind of totals. Uh, you know what? I, I really like a dark horse in the main south sectional. Actually, a couple. I think Lane and Evanston are both really good dark horses. Lane, I believe, is hosting a regional. Um. And I think the you know they're the way I have it seated, it'll be out there. But I mean, I have Evanston six and Lane seven, and I just think the teams at the top are vulnerable, vulnerable uh, in in that sectional. So I have Lane and Evanston. Uh, I'm going to go with one that I bought stock in in my podcast in the podcast and my takes last week. Uh, Fenwick, St. Pat's is the favorite in that sectional. Fenwick will get through and win the regional and play the section on their home floor. I like Fenwick as one of my dark horses. DeKalb in the Rockford-Guilford sectional. They are, I think they're locked in with a bunch of Rockford schools. They've already knocked off Rockford-Auburn this year. DeKalb's got some good young talent. They played a competitive schedule. They'll be well-prepared. I like DeKalb as a sleeper or dark horse. And then... Another one, it's a combo. So I'm out of the North Suburban Conference, same sectional. And, and I, they're gonna they're gonna be seated high, Lake Zurich. They're gonna be a two or three seed. I have them as a two seed, but I don't think people talked about them. I was looking at their schedule, who they've played. They've got I think five really tough losses to teams that were ranked. By a combined total, I think the number was like 15 points The five losses were. So Lake Zurich, and then keep an eye on Stevenson. Uh, Stevenson is also in that sectional. They'll be a lower-seeded team, probably not a top-four seed. Uh, but it's a team that, you know, they they um, they took down Warren, Warren this year. They, they've beaten a good prospect team. They, they did actually uh, beat Lake Zurich in the beginning of the year. Uh, so... You know, they've beat New York. They've got some good wins. They just and have gotten better over the second half of the season. So one of those two teams, the North Suburban, uh, even though Lake Zurich is a two-seed, probably isn't necessarily a dark horse. I just think they're unranked, haven't been talked a whole lot about, and could get out of that sectional. Boy, do I struggle on 3A. Like dark horses. And then I just look at it and I struggle well, that's, on. That's because the sectionals are so excited. bad, Mike. Yeah, the whole tournament does not. It, it, I don't like. I'm sorry. When you have no depth yeah. in section and the majority of the sectionals, 
I do. I I've now done this because I worked on it all weekend. But yeah, when there's no depth, then you don't have a chance for upsets. Yeah, it's just it's... plain and simple. I also don't really care to watch it. <laughs> it looks like, ooh. man, I thought that was Joe's take. For I know. One, one A and two A. You're going all the way to three A. Three A is gross. <laughs> yeah, I don't like, I can't come up with any. I got it nobody is. for you. Well, I, I gave, I gave Fenwick and that's, I mean, there are, I don't know, 13, 14, 15 wins and no one's talked about them. They're never going to be ranked, but yet they're, they could, sleepwalk to a regional title yeah and they're gonna be a two seed i guess notre dame's been all right lately <laughs> yeah they've they've notre dame has played a lot of good yeah. teams tough uh and, you know just falling short uh brady sealhorse a good player junior yeah. but i no i i hear you i'm I got I got one for you guys that's it <laughs> notre dame uh for a i have what's interesting because joe and i um we both picked a kelb um I agree, but uh, my other foray is, and I know they're in a a good uh, sectional, but I can't get over how much I liked Niles North when I saw them in person. I, I oh, I no, I, I yeah. if, if if I didn't go <laughs> Landon Evans, I could have picked a third one because that yeah. sectional, you know, as far as depth, but that's what I'm talking about between four A and three A. You've got. Evanston, Niles North, and Lane. Now, not Niles North, it'll be interesting to see how the seeds come out, but Niles yeah. North beat Evanston, so I would assume that they will probably get seeded fifth, Evanston sixth, and then Lane seventh. I, I, I'll say this. I'll be surprised if one of those three aren't playing in a sectional as lower-seeded teams. So we'll see which one of our dark horses. Yeah, that's breaks, a fun group. Through. I mean, Oak Park's solid. I know they gave Downers Grove North a nice game um recently and i like their personnel overall but yeah niles north i'm i'm very high on i'm just not convinced by any of the csl south teams they're too up and down um and then another one maybe a little bit out of the blue but i like what i saw from waukegan this year and i think i mean yeah warren's lurking there but i'm i don't think there's anybody else better than them uh, in that group i think waukegan you know they've got a really good scorer with Nehemiah Dunn, and I, I assume they'll be. Wow, they're not hosting a regional. That's weird. Um, so yeah, not even hosting a regional. But yeah, I like Waukegan. I think keep an eye on them. Um, and then, kind of crazy that I'm saying this is a dark horse, but I'm still banging the Simeon drum. Hmm. Um, I think they could will get a lift this week in the city playoffs. And if anybody saw, kind of what I tweeted out or what I. I wrote, if you really dive in to the Simeon schedule and I think you could make a case that if they'd played a different schedule, they'd be a ranked team right now low. Um, if you look at kind of what they did um, here, I'm trying to get it all up here. Sorry. Um, their losses, basically all their losses are to ranked teams locally. So if you take away all the out of state stuff, and look at just their losses and wins locally, you know, it, it, they look like a team that we might have in here. Here, here I got it up there. Simeon's losses are to Curie, Kenwood, Bloom, Rich, and West Aurora. Not a bad one in the bunch. And they've beaten Hyde Park, Lynn Bloom, Oak Park, 
And even the Hillcrest win looks better now with what they've done. So that's like a top 30 team almost with what we've got. They're young. They're getting better. I think Simeon could be one to watch. Those so are- you are the glass half full. I'm the glass half empty. I look at their wins. <laughs> the close wins that they have, which they're wins. Like Clark by one. Diet yeah. by one. Yeah. Phillips by four. Um Dunbar by five. Uh Plainfield North by three. Oak Park by two. So I look at it as like they are four possessions from being <laughs> the other way, you know? But 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 it's trending in the right direction and they're yeah. young. No, yeah, they are. They're getting better. Uh they have a you know, it'd be interesting. I, I think what's one of the most interesting games of the second half of the season is happening Tuesday night in the city playoffs. And that's Simeon at Lane for a lot of different reasons. I think it I think it's a super intriguing and interesting game with the result kind of magnifying some things. Uh so that's, yeah. That's where you'd go. I, I'm still trying to decide where I'm going. Anyway, well, that's our dark horses. Yep. Um, sorry, 3A. Yeah, I didn't realize until I did this exercise how down I was. I mean, I knew it was going to probably wind up with three Catholic League teams at State, but I didn't realize it was going to be so dull getting there. Um, maybe Hyde Park, if Jarrell Baldwin's back now, they could do something. I don't know. Um, next up um, is a question from Don. He it's a, it's a long one. Basically, Don is miffed about officiating and how home teams seem to get the benefit. Um, he says, I know it is difficult to get good officials, but it's getting really bad. I've talked to three head coaches, and they all see a foul differential between home and away teams. So, Joe, what is your take on officiating and the home versus away calls? I wouldn't know. <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, I don't. Offici- I mean, it's across the board. Officiating is bad in high school basketball, but there's nothing you could do about it. We don't have any. So, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I I don't – I haven't noticed. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I just haven't noticed a decided difference between this road team is getting screwed on the road. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, – first off, nobody's biased. I mean, we might not have good officials – I mean, I think they're fine and they do their best and, you know, I'm not too worked up about it. And as someone who watches, you know, how other sports, my enjoyment of them have been completely ruined by replay. It's very nice that we have a bad call and we move on with their lives well, instead of and, sitting and, there and watching it. How many times you and I are at, I don't know, wherever, a gazillion games. How many times do you feel like this game sucks because the officials. Rarely. Correct. I, 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 I mean, fans are nuts. I'm, I'm, I am tired. I forget the officials. I'm sick of the fans who are probably listening to the wow. podcast. No, I mean, God, we, 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 they're going to be bad calls. They're, they're just making like 80 bucks a game. Give me a break. I mean, I, there's bad calls at all levels. I mean, yes. And I just accept it. It's, yeah. I'm a firm believer in this that it's equally bad for the most part. That's why I don't know if this is a statistical data that we could track down, which there, you know, I mean, I, I just that two bad calls for one team, three for the other. I, I, anyway, I just, it's very rarely do I get 
super upset and flustered with a game because of the officials, even with calls that I see. Ooh, that was a bad call. I just, it doesn't, no. I guess, I guess maybe you and I don't have a rooting interest in the game. Maybe that, that makes a difference. It, it does. Yeah, no doubt. What, yeah. So what bothers me is when there's some refs, they really make it all about themselves. Oh, that's, 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 that's what drives me. That's worse. And I won't name a few, yeah. but yeah, no question. That's when it gets, it starts to bug me. Um, all right. Next up, Thomas. He had a simple one line question. Ooh, I like those. Is Xavier Fitch the player of the year in the Catholic League? <laughs> I have a one word answer. Joe, what's your what's your answer? Is no, despite really having a heck of a season. Yeah, I'm more open to it than you are. He's he's <laughs> he's one well, he's one of the most improved. I, I've written this. He is one of the most improved players in the entire senior class from mm-hmm. particularly from his sophomore year to this point. Because he had a lot of there was some there was some buzz around him as a sophomore. And I'm not saying, you know, there's a little plateau a little bit, and boom. As a senior, he has really, really come through and come on. Yeah, I love rebounders, and he's a. I think he's the best rebounder in the area. Definitely the best one I've covered um, this year when I've seen him. So I, I, I'm kind of open to it. But I guess it would be Angelo Cervino. Um, I think most people would pick Catholic League Player of the Year, right? Oh, I mean. uh, yeah. I mean, DePaul's gonna win the league probably. So, you know. Well, Carmel's still five and zero. Uh oh, yeah, that's right. True. When do they play? That's a, was that snowed out? I think so. Yeah. Well, Carmel's got Brother Rice on Friday. See, now I'm like so fast forward. I think the season's over. Yeah. Went from midway point to being done. Uh, yeah. yeah we, I, we got two weeks Catholic League ball left, Joe. <laughs> well, maybe that'll decide the player of the year. Yeah, that's uh. I mean, to me, it's Ciravino. He's head and shoulders better than everybody else. Oh, he's definitely better. I just haven't seen him play in two weeks. Yeah. Um, All right. Next up, this question is from Joe. And I think this might have been my favorite question. Um, From Joe or to Joe? uh, Both. (laughs) It is from Joe and to both of us. Uh, Do any schools from the 80s, 90s, and thousands stand out above others that would have really benefited from the four class system over the old two class system. I graduated from St. Joseph in 1990 and I believe Pingator would have won a few titles before 1999 in 3A. You know, if it was, if we had 3A during my four years, we went downstate twice losing to King and Gordon tech. I'm not sure where Gordon would have been classed, but I still have nightmares of Tom Kleinschmidt. It just seems crazy. The Pingator only has two titles. Um, I looked at, they'll give mine first here. Um, my initial, oh, it, by the way, good. Yeah. It was a fun, good question, right? Yeah, it was good. My oh, initial this, take, this, this, I'm sorry, but yeah. despite it, I had to take some, it took some time to research. So that was the only bad part. It yeah. I, I didn't do it a, a ton. I just scanned and scanning. Yeah. What I thought was obviously manual goes up. Go probably is three a I'm guessing in 95 and 96 and Thornton mm-hmm. wins four a titles, right? Correct. Um, and then I also think, and, like, and, and while we're on the topic of manual, they would have more state titles because yeah. they would be like in the eighties. I was looking; um, they probably would have won the 1986 three A title. So they'd have more titles at manual 
if they were then just three A. And so, and I also more South suburbs. I think the Peoria Central back to backs, you know, they'd have been three A. So I think Thornwood and HF, the Julian Wright team, would have and, probably and, won. and Gene Pingator probably has a state title twenty years earlier, uh, twenty one years in nineteen seventy eight. They played Lockport, 2,500 students, Lockport and St. Joe's was in 1978 state runner up. And then there were some specific examples that I came up with, Mike, just of smaller schools that it doesn't necessarily mean they'd be a, they would have a state title probably in their trophy case. St. Francis de Sales, Eric Anderson, runner up in double A, Kendall Gill's Rich Central team in 86. Mm. They would have been a 3A team. They were. I just looked, and they were playing against all bigger schools that were 4A. Good old Mendel Catholic back in 82. They stunned Quincy in the semifinals and then uh, lost, I think, East St. Louis Lincoln. Um, you know, they were a small school, but they would have a state title. And then some schools I think would have had a little more success. Um, well, well, it's interesting. Like Chicago King would have been a 3A school. Not that they didn't have success and not that they didn't win titles, but it would be interesting to see just what King would be as a 3A giant. Uh, but like a school like, uh, this is a big one, Hillcrest. Hillcrest in the, two, in the four class system, how much more success would they have had as a 3A school as opposed to a AA school, those town capital years and, um, you know, running into whoever they ran into in, 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 in the two class system. And then even like a Batavia, Batavia would at the time, not now, their enrollment's bigger, but I was looking at their enrollment at the time. Batavia's grown. Um, one year they had like 886 students. Anyway, the point is, Batavia would have been a very, very good 3A school um, as opposed to obviously playing in, four, in the 2A system and running into whoever they ran into. So here's what I did not think about. This is all a little bit goofy because the city would have been displaced out to all these places so with maybe no, with with no publicly yes so maybe st joe's doesn't even get there because they're gonna have to play a public league 3a in a sectional yeah, yeah they'll be battling a lot of public league schools on the west side yeah and maybe this thornwood what? hf that i've got maybe they don't get there because they got to deal with a simeon in a sectional. Yeah. You know, what does it do to the city? You know, they were only, for those that don't know, back then, the city champion, there was the only team that got there. So if you took all of the city, you know, Elite Eight, Final Four, and send them out to these sectionals, it changes everything. St. Joe's be battling Marshall, Westinghouse. Westinghouse. Crane. Yeah. You know, it's uh, fair. Maybe good. Young. I mean, yeah. I, they'd probably be 4A, but who knows? Early on, they could have been 3 yeah, I'm thinking along like back when young, I mean young wasn't a seventies or eighties, but I mean yeah, but yeah, it's yeah that, that that's that's true. Who knows? But wild to think about. I'm sure glad it wasn't that way though, <laughs> Joe. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm 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 glad I got to experience two class basketball yes, for yeah. the majority of my life at this point. But soon yeah. it'll. I, I, that's another thing. I was doing a on some story I was writing. I kind of thought four classes was around longer than it really has been. Doesn't it feel like it's been here for a long, long time? 
Yeah. What was it like? Oh, eight. Yeah. But you take out the two tournaments that were not played. I think oh, there's, yeah. only, there's only been like 13 four class champions. Mm-hmm. Anyway. All right. Um, we're all getting old. Demetrios says, which programs do you feel do the best to consistently developing college players during the four years they are there? Uh, Demetrios mentions Bolingbrook, which I think is a good call. Is, is there any other school that stands out to you, Joe? What came to your mind? Uh, this is a question, Mike, uh, that I did not get or I missed it. Um, mm. my, well, my first thought was Curie, which I don't think a lot of people would have thought about. But I mean, watching Justin Harmon play for Illinois. Um, there's somebody who came through and then, I mean, are we talking pure development? Are we talking just churning them out? I think to me, the way I took the question was guys that that were not stud freshmen and sophomores that were in the program all four years that then became college players by senior year. That's how I read it. You know what I mean? Cause that's kind of what, that's what Bolingbrook does with a lot of guys, a lot of those guards, you know? Um, yeah. And I think the Curie, uh, Ramion Hinton, uh, Dejuan Gordon, uh, Harriman, these were not guys that were stud. They weren't even on the varsity team young. Yeah. Um, and they turned into player of the year candidates. That's kind of a rare thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, Hillcrest has had a, their share of college players, not at this, you know, necessarily at the highest level. Um, you know, Bloom recently. But yeah, I, you know, it's I'm thinking to think about because there's so many of the D1 guys transfer too. Well, that and then I'm thinking even more high level D3, Division two, those types of you know programs. Mm-hmm. So, um, next up we have Ken. Man, Ken is angry about Glenbrook North. Uh, he wants to know what we make of their most embarrassing defeat of the season at the hands of Maine South, whom I feel is the worst team in the CSL, <laughs> which. Uh, yeah, <laughs> did they take them too lightly? And can they regroup and recover from the fourth quarter disaster last night and get back on track? Um, uh, who's the answer? Question, the question. Ken, this is Ken. Ken, well, Ken, um, <laughs> Glenbrook North lost its best player and starting point guard, uh, Josh Fridman, at the start of the fourth quarter. So that. I, you know, this he's he's their engine, man. He he makes that team go and went out with an injury. Uh, I think it's a shoulder injury that's going to keep him out for at least another week or two, probably. So I think that is the answer. Next up, Vince. Vince is talking about the uh, lightweight division for kids five, nine and under, which uh, was an old Catholic League thing that a lot of people like to talk about. He says, seeing a player like Cal Cosme from Brother Rice or the Castillo Twins, Talking about from Lamont, um, players clearly in the five nine and under category, despite what the roster says. If you were to pick an all area team of lightweights from the current season, who do you see making the list? The Castillo brothers. I did. I did a actual measure up myself to them, and they're they're definitely not five nine. Um, Mike and I briefly talked about this. How there is a shortage of the little men. Yeah, bad year for little yeah. guys. I mean, I bet Josh Friedman is probably 5'9", 5'10", tops. He's really good. You know, Yaris Irby I like a lot at Niles North. He's probably 5'9", 5'10"-ish. Yeah, there's not not a lot of 
Owen Thulin, the kid at Donner's Grove North. You know, he's a very nice complimentary player to Jack Stanton. He's probably 5'9". Not a lot of... No, I, I was drawing a blank after yeah. Cosme. Usually there's quite a few, um, but I think it's a pretty bad year. I don't know what that means or says or probably nothing. But yeah, sorry, Vince. Not a good year for that. I mean, we, neither one of us could come up with much. Um, Ivan has... Hey, Ivan had a lot to say. He gave us a lot of thoughts, but he has one question. Who is the better equipped team to make a run in the playoffs at this point between Bolingbrook, Warren, and Bennett? Oh, it's a no-brainer because of the sectional they're in. Uh, Warren. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt they're the most equipped to go deep into the playoffs. Not to say that Bennett or Bolingbrook can't, uh, but I mean, you look at that sectional, Mike. Yeah. Oh, only my dark horse Waukegan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if Waukegan doesn't take him out, uh, yeah. no, I, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bad sectional. Yeah. Like, there's, there's subsectional. And now if people are listening, Rockford Guilford is got, has some, you know, far northern suburbs, you know, in there with, with the, uh, Rockford school. So in two subsectionals. And it's Warren or, like you said, Waukegan. That's it. Yeah, I think uh, Bolingbrook obviously uh, playing their best. They looked really good against Wabonzi, um, Davion Thompson, and same with Warren. Jackson Davis have taken it even a step up, I think. Bennett, a little bit on the rocks these days. Quite a bit on the rocks. So yeah, we'll, we'll see if they can get things straightened out. Uh, next up is uh, Jackson, who some of you may remember as a new Trier player recently. Jackson says his question is regarding the main south sectional what teams do you guys think are likely to be seated one through four and in what order and who is the favorite in your mind jackson luckily we have a man who has spent an awful lot of time on just that topic go for it Joe. <laughs> yeah so i think it's interesting when i really started breaking it down as how much it changed over the course of the last weekend there were some upsets, you know, they mentioned the main South upset of Glenbrook North that they were kind of leaning them. And, you know, no Trier is another team that's kind of hit the skids. They've had some bad losses of late new Trier. Uh, so throw it all together. And right now with the belief that this could mildly change with a Tuesday night game, because Glenbrook South and new Trier square off Tuesday night. But right now, Loyola one at 23 and five. Uh, Glenbrook North two at twenty one and five, New Trier twenty two and six at the third seed, and Glenbrook South twenty and six as the fourth seed. Uh, you know, but if Glenbrook South were to beat New Trier, you know, they got similar; they'd have almost identical records. Recent win, I would flip after tonight. Glenbrook South and New Trier three and four. There you go. I mean, I mean, Lyles won fifteen of the last seventeen. They've beaten Glenbrook North. Uh, I think it's kind of a no-brainer at this point now. Uh, they just beat Evanston as well. Uh, and they did lose to New Trier, but as in Thanksgiving time, three of their top seven were playing football. That's, anyway, yeah, throw so, out Thanksgiving week. Yeah. Throw it out at this point. So, <laughs> yeah, there you I, go. I, I think there's a lot of people angry about Loyola. I've, I've taken a lot of heat for ranking Loyola over the last – I think they've been there kind of for two months um, nonstop. And all of that really shut up after the bloom went. 
everybody that was on my case and about Rankin Loyola, the bloom win convinced them. Um, and that's a pretty big kind of out of that world win, you know, um, they keep beating on up on one another. So that was a big, um, big feather yeah. for Tom Livatino and his group for sure. Uh, yep. next, next up is, uh, Dan and Dan, uh, first of all, he wants to give a, sh- wants us to give a shout out to former new Trier standout Jackson Munro. Uh, Jackson's the guy who actually asked the last question. So how you doing Jackson? He says, Jackson listens every week. Um, and Dan's question is a recruiting question, which prospects in the 2025 class without scholarship offers, do you think low to mid major D one coaches should be paying closer attention to? Uh, you got anybody, okay. Joe? EJ Mosley, you know, I think EJ Mosley is a kid that uh, Romeoville, and he, he's got a name but doesn't have offers yet. Tyreek Coleman, I think, is the I've been writing about this as the breakout guy in 2025. The, the point guard, Obansi Valley, who he just he was terrific, Mike, in front of us the other night, uh, against Bolingbrook. Uh, you know, Daniel Polakinis from uh. Bennett, six foot nine, has really started to come on for Bennett as a junior here. And, and then he's gotten some attention, some offers, but Nick Allen at Bradley Bourbonnet, his his recruitment's about ready to kind of really explode. I mean, whether it be a 15 mid-major or mid-major plus programs on him, or if it's simply, you know, a few high majors that that start checking in on him, he's gonna be one. But it's 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 gonna be different, Mike, because the, the recruiting calendar's changed. The college pro coaches will not be out in April, so it's going to be pushed back. Yeah. They, their focus will be on the portal, and then they'll get locked in on the 2025 class in May and June. Yeah, I've got a guy um, I feel pretty strongly about, if, yeah. as long as he played Chase Turner at um, yeah. Lincoln Park. Lincoln I think Park. he's been fantastic. 6'4", a real athlete. You know, He, he was hurt and didn't play. Uh, last spring and summer so he's a guy that I, I think once he gets out there it'll kind of be a no-brainer for most people that he's kind of that low um, yeah and if he if he can show that he can make sh- a sh- you know some shots some shots uh as a perimeter threat then he's really gonna see because he he plays hard he's got a motor he rebounds he's yeah he's active and um it's just a matter of two of just being able to consistently make shots yeah, he was really good defensively last week. That was um, what stood out. But yeah, the three point's been pretty streaky when I've seen him. But boy, isn't that the case for a lot of high school kids? Um, next up, Trey Sean. Oh boy, we don't have much time. He's mad about my uh, number one. Um, you know, he says, How is Curie not number one, considering HF and Curie both lost to unranked teams in the same week? Curie has fewer losses than HF and Thornton. They beat. Millard North and Father T and I, I think he's looking at the losses and that's a bad thing to do because nobody, none of these teams have many losses. You got to look at the wins. Curie, unfortunately, because the Red South kind of took it on the chin this year, is lacking, especially recently, major wins. And it was HF's win against Thornton, you know, that, that got them there. And Curie just hasn't really even had the opportunity lately. For a big one that's going to change this week obviously and i think the rankings could change this week um depending on how curie looks because hf you know d- has picked up some losses but the, the reason it changed that week was hf beat thornton in that game and curie lost to Lindblom. treshawn does not mention that in his email <laughs> that's why you know hf 
yes, they, they haven't been perfect or anything, but it, it's the win over Thornton. It, they have more good wins right now than Curie. And, and just for future reference, there is never going to be a time when a win over a team from Omaha, Nebraska, uh, which is where Millard North is from, is impressive to me. Sorry. <laughs> uh, any thoughts on number one, Joe? No. No. What, my, any thoughts on my thoughts, thoughts are all, <laughs> my, my thoughts are, and, and I think it's great that everybody, it's great for the interest in you and the rankings. It's just, I just, I don't know when I started realizing how important it was to be number one in the rankings. So it's, it's a hot topic. Oh, is it ever? Yes, it is. It's a very hot topic and I take it very seriously. And remember a lot of people thought I was nuts when I put Curie there. Um, they played through the whatever. I don't know. If you just look at Curie... So I, I, here's a question. Here's yeah. a uh, a number one question, and, and answer it in a thirty yeah. seconds. Your the eye test. What you think if two teams played each other versus resume and what's actually happened on the floor? When does one blend with the other? Well, it's a lot of eye test before Christmas. Um, once you hit January, it's almost all resume for me. Um, yeah, because the reason I ask is, I you know, there's sectional seeds here where I clearly there's a team that needs to be seeded one or two or whatever the spot is, but I really think the team below them will beat them. Yeah, but because of what's happened on the floor and the results and or they actually lost to that team <laughs> early in the year or whatever, it's it's inevitable they need to be seated where they're seated. But yeah, similar it's a, to- Curie, and you look at it. I mean, they've played one ranked team. In 2024, Kenwood, that's it. I mean, it's hard to keep the number one ranking if you aren't going to get to. And then you look and at the elites, you know, HF's beaten Thornton twice. And Curie just hasn't even played the elites. They beat Downers Grove North on this December 10th. I would beat consider that an elite win. Ben, and beat and they beat Bennett, which Bennett's quickly falling out of the elite, but we'll put him there. But they and, do they do have some good wins that aren't I mean Lowellville yes. is a nice win. Kenwood's a good win. They pounded Kenwood actually. Yeah. Kenwood's their only win against a ranked team in 2020. Joliet Joliet West is a good win. Who's now ranked. But so, you you look at HF, but, but, I mean but HF to me is number 1. I, I yeah. guess you I said I didn't have a thought. I guess I do. Uh yeah, it's HF's number one to me. Even though the Bradley lost is a that's a head scratcher to me, and I and I, I I like Bradley Bourbonnet, but and that's matched by the Lindblom loss. Yeah, for Curie, so it becomes you throw it out. Very, they, yeah. they both. So so yeah. yeah. Now Fishers did hand HF, but they'd had a heck of a week. Um, you know, well, they, and wa- and watching Bolingbrook play on Saturday. Yeah, and, to and see what HF did to HF, them. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, so that's it. Now, Curie's got their chances this weekend. We'll see how that goes. Um, we only we have less than a minute, so there's a couple questions we're not going to get to. Sorry about that, guys. We we did our best. Probably spent too much time on uh, some of these other things. But thanks for listening, and thanks for sending the questions in. And enjoy this weekend. It should be fun. The city championships. Then we got a bunch of fun conference title games next week. And we will be back uh, with no shot clock next Tuesday. Thank you.